You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. All right, good morning, East Point Church. Why don't you go ahead and grab your seats? It's good to be with you. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Yes? All right, everybody a little heavier in the room this morning? That's right. I had this thought on Thanksgiving for like half a second. I had this thought. I was like, how funny would it be to weigh all of the food that we are eating and then weigh all of us collectively afterwards to see, like, it's just science, you know? Nobody else would be interested in that. That's okay. That's okay. I had that thought for like half a second, and then I thought that would be a little convicting, so we went away from that. But anyway, it is good to be with you here on this Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, every week, there's, there's a highlight to our week, and it happens right here. It's the moment in our week where we as the family of God, we open up the word of God, and we come with this expectation to say, God is going to speak to us. Every time we open the Bible from this pulpit, every time we break down scripture, every time we go verse by verse and say, God, what do you have for us? We never leave empty-handed. And the reason why I love that is because it doesn't matter who's standing right here. It only matters what's sitting right here, right? Because really, our trust is in the word of God. And so this morning, we have the man of God coming to deliver the word of God. And we have a special guest from our sister church over in Annapolis. You may have heard of it called Bay Area Community Church. I say that tongue-in-cheek because they're also our sending church. And so you guys know this man. His name is Alan Smith. Just by way of introduction, Alan has some roots connected to our church in a couple of ways. Uh, Primarily, he's the missional community pastor, the discipleship pastor in Bay Area. And so he has laid the foundation for many of our community groups, which used to be called missional communities. And so your community group leaders in this room, they know Alan. They have been trained and received uh, support and content from Alan. Uh, Alan has also also served on the search team. He was on the search team that was looking for me for over a year. Um, and so he, he knows a lot of you very well. He knows our elders in that search team. And so we're just so excited. Uh, so go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm 23 as we welcome our speaker this morning, Alan Smith. Give him a warm East Point welcome. Thanks, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. <laughs> I was trying to think of what's my relationship with uh, East Point. I feel like the crazy uncle that's coming back home for Thanksgiving dinner. So, uh, no, really, I find uh, this congregation very, very dear to our hearts, and it's a really high honor to be back with you. And uh, so um, I'm going to share with you a passage this morning about that's been speaking to me for a long, long time. And I love that you guys are in uh, the Psalms right now, transitioning to Advent, to Christmas season. And so I'm going to be in the Psalms as well this morning. And one thing I love about Sam, there's a lot of things I love about Sam. One thing I didn't love about Sam is he beat me in a race, uh, a foot race. He got number one. I, I knew he was going to beat me. But what I do love about Sam is that when we, uh, and he shared this with me as we we're talking about what to preach today, he said, brother, just stick to one passage. He's, he said, stick to one passage because I want them to not remember you. I want them to remember what's in the word of God. And so I love your heart for the scriptures, and it's, it's my heart as well. And so it's a great honor to open up with you uh, a very, very familiar passage. Uh, and let's see here. All right, I'm just trying the technology. There's my time. Okay, I'm good to go. All right. Well, let's, so we're going to dive into a very familiar passage 
that most of you are, have either heard sermons on, um, but it is one of David's greatest hits, right? If you got, I don't know what your favorite greatest hits album is out there, and you've been looking through the playlist of, of the Psalter or the Psalms, this is the number one song. We're going to see why <laughs> uh, in a minute, why this is probably one of the, the greatest songs in David's repertoire, his albums that he would. Do, pe- do young people even do al- greatest hits albums anymore? It was, when was the last greatest hits album that came out? I don't even know if they do that anymore. They just, they just leak songs each week on, on streaming platforms. So I'm a DJ by, you know, night, uh, um, as a side hustle. Uh, if you want to ever hire me, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't do that. But DJ Nilla is my name, so, um, but no, I do love uh, the greatest hits, and this is a great, great psalm, and it's all about transition. You guys are going through a transition. You are receiving uh, Sam and, and new leadership here, and you're now standing on your own two feet, and look at you guys. Look at you, man. Look, you're doing amazing. Um, it makes me so happy, but, but we're not just the, as a church. COVID, the situation in the country, like all these changes are happening. And even if you're not in tune as much to those things, you probably have things in your own family that you're going through. We all go through transitions. And so uh, this is a psalm that I've gone to over and over again because we have experienced a lot of transition in uh, my very young years of life. So, um, And so... We, uh, we lived in Peru, South America for about a decade, and in 2014, we moved back to the United States, and I thought we were just going like, to land in one spot, and that did not, was not God's plan. We moved five times in four years, and in the, the year building up to Annapolis, we've been there three years, that's the longest place we've stayed since we've been back to the United States, uh, but in the year building up to coming to Annapolis, our daughters were in three schools. Don't recommend that. That's not really something you should do. I mean, maybe some of you have done that. It's, it's, it's an awful experience. Um, but when, you, when we move like this, anytime we're in a, move, a season of transition, my soul cannot read the epistles of Paul or, or something like that. I need to go to the Psalms because the Psalms reflect my soul. It reflects the emotional life. It's raw. I love what one author puts it. He calls the Psalms the anatomy of the soul because it reflects all of the emotional qualities of life and it owns it. It's not because in America, we don't own all the emotions because let's just be honest. One of the unspoken sins of America is sadness. Like happiness and gladness is something that we feel like we have a right to, but when we feel any kind of sadness because of some kind of transition happening in our life, it's not really seen as something good. And I know you talked about that a little bit last week. But in this passage, I want to share with you a passage that's been a great comfort to me as, as I've gone through many transitions. And if you're there right now, I hope this is a great encouragement to you as well. So if you will, let's now look at Psalm 23 and let's read through that. And let have it in here. Oops, what happened? I know I'm the one who did this, so I don't know what button I need to push to get it back to the... Did I do anything? Here. Okay. I'm just going to go and read it from here, and as he does that, I'll, you can just follow along with your phone or your, your Bible that you have. This is a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you do lead us through our life's journey. Father, we thank you that you are with us at every moment of every change of our life, and we now pray that you would speak to us. Open our ears that we may hear Jesus. Anything not of him, just take it away now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're not going to go verse by verse through this, this book. It would be great to do that, this, this psalm, but we are going to look at three crucial elements of, uh, that talks about life's transitions. And the first is we're going to look at the journey. This is going to be a very short point, but I think it's going to be helpful to kind of get to understand the psalm itself. And then we're going to zoom in to the valley that you have to go through, that I have to go through on our journey. And then lastly, we're going to look at the shepherd that leads us out of the journey. And you have in here, I saw you have blank spots, so there you go. You get, there's your three points. You can fill them in right now. Um, I always, also, if you are a drawer, I love people to draw my sermons, especially kids. So if there's something that piques your interest and you want to draw something for me, that would be great. I would love that as well. So let's look, first of all, at the journey. The journey. And so David is more than likely an older man looking back at his life. And he's looking back at this journey that he has been on, that God has taken him through. Just think with me real quickly about the psalm itself. If you remember anything about David, he was one of many brothers, and he was a shepherd, right? He, he was what he did as a young man. And there in the fields, he was often by quiet waters, and God was training him to be a shepherd. And a shepherd was a title that Israel used to be a king. And so, and so he was anointed as king, and during that season, he was being prepared to be the king of Israel. However, we know that there was another king anointed. And I don't know if you remember his name, but that was anointed before David. That was Saul, right? So we had this really weird season in Israel where you have two anointed kings, kind of like the already not yet. You have this one wicked king, this kind of demonic king, and you have this godly king after God's own heart, and they're like overlapping, and this is not going well for David because David has to flee in the presence of his enemies. He has to go through the valley of the shadow of death, running away from Saul, and he literally lives in caves. He's on the run, and then Saul is trying to kill him. His, his Saul's son, Jonathan's his friend. It's very complicated. And then all throughout the season, he finally becomes the king after Saul. And he has in his heart, at the end of his life, he has it in his heart to, to build something for God, to build a house, to build the temple. He wants to dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. So that's really the summation of the whole song. It's his journey. Now, we all have unique journeys. We're all not exactly like David, but I do think what, the reason why this is one of the greatest hits in the book of the Psalms 
is because we, it has predictable patterns. It has, I did some, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Is this? Okay, which arrow should I push? This one right here? This one's the right, okay. In Arkansas, they did teach us right from the left. Here, there we go. All right. Okay. All right. There it is. Okay, there is a predictable pattern with milestones that we must go through. To get to the house of the Lord, we must move from our green pastures and go through the valley of the shadow of death. So that's the first point, is the journey that we're all on. And so let's go to the, the, the big point, is the valley. The valley. So if you think of, if you understand J David's day and how they actually, I'm not a shepherd myself, I've not lived in Palestine. But other shepherds who have lived there, they tell us this, that in Palestine, shepherds would often migrate their sheep from one place to another. And so after they consumed the, the grass in one area, they would migrate to another hill. They would journey to another place, and depending on the seasons. And so as they went from one pasture, if you will, or from one mountain to another one, they would have to go through these dry riverbeds that were seasonal, and they would often, during the wet seasons, would fill up with water. They, these places are called wadis. I don't know if you've ever been to a wadi before, but a, it's... This is what it looks like. That's a, that's a big wadi, but in this wadi, you would have to pass through, and it was a very dangerous place to go. This is the valley he's talking about here, the valley of the shadow of death. And one uh, shepherd describes it this way, all the dangers of rampaging rivers in a flood, because it could happen in a moment, Avalanches, rock slides, poisonous plants, ravages of predators that raid the flocks and the awesome storms of sleet, hell, and snow were all familiar to the shepherd, especially as they moved their sheep from one place to another. Now, in this wadi, it, this valley is described by two descriptions. The valley of shadow and death. So shadow being darkness and death. Now, death could be literal physical death, but more than likely, it was any type of loss that you were going through, any kind of loss where you, you, go, you come to a place in your life and you say these words, it's gone, it's over, I can't go back, and nothing will be the same. That's a death. That's a loss. And in darkness... It's this place where it's not, you're not quite sure what's happening. It's a place of confusion. It's a place where you don't understand. You can't really see what's happening because it's dark. <laughs> there's not much clarity. And so if you're like me, there's probably a, in a room this size, half of you are probably addicted to clarity. You really want to know what's going on. You really have your plans and, and schedules. This is a very scary time for you, for those who like to have your plans and like to have clarity because it's darkness and you don't have it. It's confusing. And in this confusion, we often have the emotions of fear and we're often anxious during this place because there are no explanations. We feel out of control. So this 
can be any, so the valley is not just a literal death. It could be any transition, any change that you're experiencing, whether that be a child going to college, it could be going through a divorce, it could be a, a deep desire that's not been met, whether that to be to have kids and you can't have kids, or to have a restored relationship with a friend that you used to have. It could be anything. It could be anything. And one of the authors that talks about this season of life is a guy named Peter Scazzaro. He, and in one of his, uh, you may have read some of his emotional healthy books. Uh, this is, in, this, in one of his books, he describes this season like this. He says, the valley is a crisis that turns our world upside down. We question ourselves, God, and the church. We discover for the first time that our faith doesn't appear to work. We have more questions than answers. The very foundation of our faith is on the line. We don't know where God is or what he is doing or where he is taking us or how he was going to get us there or when it will be over. I don't know if you're there right now. If you're not, you will be. But if you are, let me tell you, you are in good company. You are in good company because David himself was in the valley for about eight to ten years. When he was on the run from Saul, he was there a long time. And if you look through Scripture itself, Abraham and Sarah received the promise from God to have a son. Do you know how long they were in the valley waiting for that promise? 25 years. Think of Joseph, one of the great grandsons of Abraham. He was sold into slavery from his brothers. You know the story. And then he went from Potiphar's house and he went down lower into the prison. Do you know how long he was in this valley that was going deeper and darker for him? He was there for about 13 years. What about Moses? Took justice in his own hands. Tried to kill another uh, Egyptian uh, soldier and he fled for his life. He went to the desert. And in, you know how long he was in his valley? 40 years. 40 years. Hannah, she wanted a child. She was childless. And she had this other woman that was constantly complaining and, and taunting her. And it doesn't tell us the time frame, but we know it was a long time that she went year after year and prayed for a son before she had her son Samuel. I could go on and on and on. This is the normal Christian life. This is the normal life of faith. You will go through a valley. So why? Why do we go down to these places? I think we have a clue in our text of why we go down there. If you look back in verse 3, I'm not going to bring it up on the slide, but just look on your phones or on your Bibles. Look at verse 3 again, and it says the last part, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So another way you can translate that is he leads me down the right path for his name's sake. It's a path that will make us more like him to make us more righteous, to make us more like Jesus. And so this path is typically a pathway that you would not choose on your own, or I wouldn't choose on my own. But after you go through this path, you're like, whew, I'm so glad I went through that because look how God changed me. 
Look at the next verse. Where does this path lead? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this path of righteousness leads you right up to this valley. You know what that means? There are no shortcuts. You cannot build a bridge over this valley. There are no tunnels or metro systems that go under this valley. You cannot walk around and take the long way around. You have to go through the valley to get through this season. There's a children's book uh, that one of the authors that greatly influenced C.S. Lewis, a guy named George MacDonald, he has this great book called The Princess and the Goblin. And in this story, there's this princess who has a dear friend named Curdie. And Curdie is in danger. He's in the heart of the mountain. He's a coal miner, and he got captured by goblins. And so the princess goes to her, her, her uh, magical grandmother, and she gets a gift from her grandmother to help her go get Curdie. And so it's a, it's a ring, and on this ring is attached this invisible thread. And from this ring, it will take her right to safety, you know, take her right to Curdie. And so the, 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 the grandmother gives her this ring. And it's interesting because she can only feel it. And, and as she feels the ring, she can't go backwards. She can only go forwards with this invisible thread. That's the only way it works. And this thread takes her down into the, the heart of, this, of the goblins, a very dangerous place. But that was the way of her, that was her valley that he took her through. Now, if you're there right now, I just want to let you know that it's okay to be scared. It is okay to feel sad. It is okay to feel confused. It's not American, but it is Christian. And if you're there right now, I have the good news for you. That even in the midst of the darkness of this valley, and even if you're scared, I want you to notice that oftentimes you may sense the presence of the Lord more dearly there, more closer there. And, there, and I'll show you through the text. The very first three verses, David refers to God in the third person. He says this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He leads me by, beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me down the path of righteousness. Now notice the shift. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort me. Do you see what he's saying there? There is a sense. There's no shortcuts. There's a sense that you're closer intimacy with God in the deep valleys more so than in the green pastures of life. You may want to get back to the green pastures of life, but the presence of God is more felt there. It was for David. He may even felt confused. But listen to me. Please listen to me. For those who are looking for clarity right now, and you know, God does not owe you clarity. But he will be with you. Because listen to me, if he gave you clarity in the darkness of your valley, you may trust your clarity more than your shepherd. He wants to be with you in the valley. 
Yes, it's okay to have clarity from time to time, but he doesn't owe it to us. And sometimes it's in the confusing, confusing part of our lives that we will get to know God in a very different way. So it's there we see that God is with us. So the last question I have is, so how do we get out? That's an American question. How do we, we want to know, all right, pastor, tell me the steps. Tell me the so what. Tell me the practical application here. And so here it is. You ready? This is how you get out. I don't know. I don't know. Don't get mad at me. But this psalm doesn't tell us how to get out. But it does tell us who will take us out. And that's the last point. And that's the shepherd. The shepherd will take us out. The Lord is our shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is your shepherd. And in the New Testament, we know who the shepherd is. He's not just the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And his name is Jesus. Now, just as we considered David's journey through the valley... Did you know that Jesus also walked through the valley of the shadow of death? Did you know that? And he literally experienced death itself. And when he was walking through this dark valley, everyone left him. Everyone abandoned this good shepherd. And did you know when he was in the valley that he was literally scared out of his mind? Does your Christology, your theology of Jesus big enough to have a scared Jesus at this moment? I hope so. I hope so. Doctors tell us, especially from the, when we read the Gospel of Luke, that when he was praying the night before he was going, when he went to the cross, that when he sweated drops of blood, it was a sign that he was having a, he was having a breakdown. He was constraining his his. his his blood cells so much in his, in, his, in his head that he literally sweated blood. He was not like making this prayer like, oh, would you just pass this cup for me? He was probably screaming. He was probably praying in such an intense way that they burst from his head. He was so terrified of this cup. You know what the cup is? The cup was his father's justice against sin. It was his wrath that he was going to have to take willfully, joyfully from his father on our behalf. And he was terrified of it. He didn't want to go there, but he did it because he loved us. He loves his sheep. He went down that dark path for you and for me because he loves us. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And there is no greater love than this. That a man lays down his life for his friends. He is your friend. And he is with you in the dark valley because he knows what it's like more than you do, more than I do. He knows what it is like. And because he knows what it is like, when he's with you, he can be fully present with you. And your pronouns might change as well. 
You might sense the intimacy of God in ways that you can't even explain. And because Jesus went to this valley, the psalm ends this way, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I love what we sang earlier, your goodness is running after me. That's a better way to look at this passage. It's not just following where we are the active ones having to like get up get our boots on and follow Jesus. And there is some sense in the Christian walk you do that, but in this passage, it's not talking about that. It's the goodness is running after us. It's pursuing us. It's Jesus is on a mission to be with us. And the good news, it's, it's, it's not like, let me put it this way, after this, I may go, go to the Rude Burger after this and say, hey, family, let's Let's go to Rude Burger, and, and everyone follows me. I'm, my family follows me to Rude Burger. That's not what this is saying. It's more like when I first saw my Sandy, my wife, for the first time in college, I remember I was on a mission to get to know her, to talk to her, and eventually make her my own. I, I was on a mission. Jesus is on a mission to come down to you in your dark valleys as well, to be with you. There is no valley dark, too dark. There is no situation too difficult that he will not come down and be with you because he is the good shepherd and he knows all of his sheep. He will not have one missing and the sheep know his voice. Do you hear his voice today? I did. I did. I, I for sure did. And this is why I wanted to preach this sermon to you and share this with you today. is because in one of our valleys or one of our transitions of life, um, we, were coming, we were living in Peru and we were coming back to the United States. And we didn't really know what that meant. And most missionaries who had had a long season as expatriates in another country said that the, the transition back to your home, your passport country is the most difficult. So before you go from one chaotic situation to another chaotic situation, if you can, take a vacation. And so that's exactly what we did. Uh, My dad came and took us to the Amazon jungle. We had never actually, in all the 10 years, we had never visited the low part of the jungle. So we went went to uh, the low part of the jungle and went on this excursion, which was amazing. And And the most amazing part was the canopy walk. Let's see if I have a picture of this. The canopy walk. So this is uh, 2014. There we are. And in the canopy walk was a series of suspension bridges, as you can see in the picture here. There was 40 of them. And, and, and sometimes they would be as long as from me to that wall back there. And just imagine on, and, and the bridges, if you can see here, it was just a bunch of two-by-fours with some, some uh some rope and some um, iron uh, rope so you can hold on right here. So you'd hold on like this, and you would put one foot in front of the other like this. So if you have both of your hands and you walked like this, you were okay. And as you got out to the middle, you could literally go like this and start swinging that guy. Then we'd go back and forth. (laughs) And so um, everybody in my family started to go ahead of me. Sandy, a lot of the girls went. And then little Eva at the time, she was three, she bravely took about five steps out. 
She, but the problem was is that her little hands could not reach the top ropes. So she couldn't stabilize herself. All she could do is get the cargo nets like here, and, and you know, that wasn't very stabilizing. And so she was having to figure out how to do this herself. And so about five steps into it, she freezes. We're two hours in the jungle. There is no turning back for us. There's no option for me to get Eva and just go back to, the, to our place we were staying at. The only way we could get home was to go forward. <laughs> and so as a dad, her dad, the only option I had was to pick her up and to put her in my arms. And so, and when I picked her up, she was about right here. And what happened is that her body was now above the cargo nets. And I knew if she leaned backwards, she would fall all the way down to the jungle floor. And it was about 118 feet high. So more than likely, she would have not have survived that fall. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh, no, God, I'm holding on to dear life. And she's, here's my daughter in my arms. Now, what happens to Eva? She goes from terrified Eva to completely relax. And I don't know if you've ever picked up a child like this and all their muscles in their body just relax. Well, she did that. She relaxed in my arms. She starts playing with my hair. There's butterflies all around her, and she's having a great time. And I'm thinking, I've got 40 of these to go around. Oh, my goodness. So, and so here's a quick video. Uh, do you mind charge of the video? Can you go to that? Uh -huh. Just trying to keep my eyes on the planks. Okay. That was nerve-wracking. I'm first. I don't think I would have been nerve-wracked if I was... Okay, my, my adventuresome one, I'm first. And if you saw Eva, little, because she was so high, I eventually put her down here so she was below the cargo net. Okay, why am I telling you this story? The next morning, in my assigned reading was Psalm 23. And I was an emotional wreck because I had no idea where God was taking our family. I was so nervous to go back to the United States without a, a, a job or without some kind of position to take care of my family. And I didn't, know, I didn't know if he was totally releasing us from Peru or not. I was confused. And so in that moment, God spoke to me through his word. When I, when I read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I had a flashback of that scene in my mind. And I heard these words, Alan, I got this. I've got you. Just get in my arms and let me carry you through this. And that is my prayer for you right now. If you're in the valley right now, I just want to let you know that your good shepherd says, I've got this. I've got you. Just get in my arms and let me take you through it. Don't fight him. He's a good shepherd. He knows what he's doing even though we may disagree with the path he chose. He loves you right now, even though it's hard. Now listen, some of you, this is preparatory. So I hope you have a flashback in the moment when you're in your valley. But for those who are in it right now, listen to me. Your shepherd has not abandoned you. He loves you. He's carrying you through this. Do you hear his voice? I hope you do. And with that, let's pray. So Father, we thank you that you are carrying us through life's journey even though you take us down crazy paths, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. 
We pray now that you would give us great encouragement because of what Jesus has done for us and what he continues to do. We pray this in his name. Amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.